Roots and Branches, episode 25, 25, Silver Anniversary. We are glad to be here by the grace of God. <laughs> 25 episodes in, having started in November of 2022. My name is Paul Arneberg, the co-host with Pastor Grint, oh boy, Pastor Brent Compelin. How did I get to have Grint Compelin? <laughs> I'm being dyslexic with my verbal leaf. Okay, so anyway, uh, 25th episode, we are glad to be back. And uh, we are going to continue the transformational outcomes. And today, Brent, busy to restful, which I'll just give a little preface to say, as this is being recorded and dropped in August of 2023, most of us can relate to August as being, relatively speaking, a nice restful month of, of less busyness than, let's say, the 4th of July or graduations in June or weddings and such. And yet, uh, we also have around the corner fall. So why don't you set us up for the discussion today, in fact, a two-part discussion, busy to restful. Yeah, you know, we've been going through our transformational outcomes, and, you know, we were talking just before we were recording here, you know, this is such an appropriate time to talk about moving from busy to restful because we're finishing up the summer August, sometimes we do a lot of vacations. We try and squeeze stuff in right before school starts. If you've got kids or whatever, you know, you know, things just ramp up in the fall with different stuff. I, I think there are rhythms to the year, but I don't know about you, Paul, but I feel like almost every season of the year now has its own unique busyness. Yes. And it's like our lives are so driven by calendars, schedules, and obligations and things that we want to do and sometimes very good things, but we've tend to fill our whole lives with every square moment or every moment or every sort of time slot with some kind of a, of an activity. And, and it, it, it's just become a culture of busyness that we live in. That's right. And the older I get and the more seasoned when it comes to relationships, obligations and life experience, the more I find myself scheduling rest time. Yeah. Like I will not, like just recently I was yeah. trying to get together with one of my friends from church here and I, I thought in my mind, okay, I'm starting to guard my Saturdays just because I need to keep that guarded if I have a lot of activities on Sunday. And on down the list, I could tell you some reasons why I do what I do, but to actually either in my mind or on paper guard downtime so that I am fresh when I am called to minister, yep. to relate, or to serve, or to work, and all, all those things. So yep. if we don't have intentionality with guarding the margin we've talked about in previous episodes, or in this word, restfulness or restful, we will uh, let the tyranny of the urgent and the uh, scheduling usurp guarding ourselves. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating that we're in an era where you, many of us, and, and I realize everybody's kind of different like life circumstance, but we often feel that we now need to schedule in margin or schedule yes. in time to stop doing things. That's right. But some of us will like schedule vacation. And if you vacation like me, you vacation at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just vacation at full speed and uh, let's pack one more thing in. Cause well, you know, it's, it's fun to go do some activities and such. And there is something about the difference between um, idleness is not necessarily always a good thing, but you can fill that downtime with life giving activity yes. that can still be restful. So mm -hmm. we need to like, parse out some of the nuances here of busyness. And so we are, you, talk to me a little bit more, Paul, about how you see the cultural moment and time we live in and what's it like to have this problem or this idol of busyness. 
Well, we talked pre-show about the idea of productivity and efficiency. Yeah. And uh, I believe, and later you're going to refer to an author or maybe in the second part, but there seems to be a false virtue that if we are efficient, productive, and we have more to show for our day in terms of accomplishments, we're somehow better off. But that is far from the truth if our inner spirit is always not at rest, i.e. busy and yeah. busyness, where we're, we're human uh, doings rather than human beings. Easier said than done because then the temptation in our Western culture, maybe even the Protestant work ethic, is that unless we have our, our day scheduled to the hilt and everything else accomplished, we're somehow being lazy, but instead, biblically, both with Jesus and with a lot of Old Testament teachings and with common sense, godly wisdom, we need that margin to just be rather than always to be doing. Yeah. It's so formative to have that different rhythm, you know, mm -hmm. not the busyness. I Something that came to mind as we were preparing for this, I have, um, I have kind of a fun list of things that I wrote up. This is a number of years ago now. Mm. It was just, I, I sat down and wrote what I call my master list of cultural idols. Ah, interesting. <laughs> and I, the date I have on here is April 2020. So I don't Ooh. know, I was like uh, maybe uh, very bored at being at home in April yep. 2020, if you remember that time period yep. and some crazy things that were going on at the time. But I, one of the things I wrote on this list, I have 28 different things. Um, just uh, observations about the world we live in and the kinds of things that we have placed in put in place of God. Yes. One of them, number 12 on my list in no particular order, is busyness and efficiency. And this is what I wrote. We've attempted to streamline every area of our lives. Everything must be made as efficient as possible. We must multitask during every activity. Mm. And we feel the pressure to always be productive. Inefficiency and idleness are cardinal sins. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just spending an hour at lunch with a friend with your phone turned off, how dare you? Yes, right. <laughs> that, you that owe was, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I was like trying to capture what's the spirit of the age that we're in when it comes to busyness. And it's like, I feel guilty when I take even just a small chunk of time and disconnect from my phone, disconnect from whatever other obligations, and just spend some time in quiet restfulness it's like I can hardly handle it because I feel so mm. either guilty or I don't want to like address the things deeper inside my heart. That's right. Yeah. Well, and I, I wrote down some personal anecdotes that I could share about how Wendy, my wife and I have learned to uh, rest in the moment. Mm. And one of our all-time favorite things since the first year we dated is the Minnesota State Fair. And people yeah. wonder, how can you go there and spend 14 hours? In fact, this year, we're going to try to get there by 7 a.m. because yeah. she's going to enter a pumpkin, I think, in the in the festival contest. Oh, cool. And so we get free admission and all this stuff. And, and we get there that early, and then we stay till the fireworks at 10. People say, oh, what can you possibly do? Well, we pace ourselves. Yeah. So we go to all the live entertainment, and then we sit and rest. We're not always going, we hardly ever go through the midway. But the point is, even something as big and daunting as the Minnesota State Fair with maybe a hundred or 200,000 people a day, you can find little nooks and crannies of rest, of pacing. And then she took that philosophy and yeah. we went one of her dream trips for our 15th wedding anniversary to Austria. Uh. And this is key to this discussion. We had three weeks and rented a villa from a, a Jughead uh, grandmother, and she gave us a great deal on a villa in, in rural Salzburg area. Yeah. And Wendy, who is a great planner, she said, we're not going to just cram everything we can do in beautiful Austria for 21 days. We pretty much went hard for one day, 
let's say the Sound of Music tour in Salzburg, the yeah. next day we rested and had zero plans, 0. 0.00 plans. Yeah. And that was a, a really good way for us to maximize when we were active and also maximize resting and just looking out our window and enjoying Austria. So that's an example. Yeah. We learned that, and that was a good 16 years ago that we learned, or 15 years ago, we learned that even on a mega trip like that, we don't travel much, but whether it's the State Fair, which is an annual event or a couple of days yeah. a year, or a major trip like Austria for anniversary, we know that we can't cram everything into something as, as wonderful as those events. We have to pace ourselves. And how much more does it apply to our daily lives, our relationships, our home life? And, um, and then thirdly, yeah. I'll just say this. We've learned a lot about pacing from our own cat, Chip. And the reason I mentioned <laughs> Chip again, I'll yeah. tell you, if I'm busy, like I'm going to go out to work at Ripe Radish Farm for a day, or I'm going to run over to do a podcast with you, the more I can take little moments to just greet my cat and then let him outside and go wander around the yard looking for him, the more I kind of see that, ah, he is a creature that's designed by God to hunt and to rest and all these things. And I... I actually have to tell myself, it's okay if I'm not listening to a podcast while I'm looking for him. And the whole point with this is to say, yeah. get out of ourselves. Don't let time be a tyrant, but yep. instead let that be our servant to say, these five minutes resting with my cat or a whole day in Austria resting and not going on another sightseeing tour are actually more virtuous than they seem on the surface. Yeah. I love the Sound of Music reference. Oh, boy, I love nice. it, too. Yes. Nice. <laughs> that, and we saw the marionette show where the Sound of Music was really awesome. Anyway. No way. Yes. Okay. If you haven't caught on, Paul and I both like musicals. So yes, yes. <laughs> we might just break out in song <laughs> yeah. at any moment. Um, well, one of the things you point out that's interesting that is not just, I mean, it's not just our personal observation, but there's, a, there's studies about this, and mm -hmm. maybe we could, like, uncover that at some point or talk more detail. But multitasking is actually completely unhelpful. It actually doesn't mm -hmm. work well. Like people who multitask, when we do that, you're actually less efficient at everything. Yes. Like you're not doing anything well. Yes. And it's actually harmful to all those other things that you maybe could do a lot better if you were just doing that. That's right. So one of the, maybe one of the worst places that we can multitask is when we're doing relational time with other people. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, we, maybe we multitask when we're, working on the computer at work and we've got a spreadsheet going here and a such and music happening in the background. That's fine. Right. There's things like that that aren't quite as big of a deal, but I'll tell you a story yes. about one of this, the ways that this impacted, I saw this impacted somebody, um, so deeply. I had an opportunity. Um, I don't think I've shared this story on the podcast yet. I had an opportunity to preach at a church in California as a guest. And there was an older gentleman who was at this church and, I had a moment, I had an opportunity during the service to do a pastoral prayer. And I had written out some things that I wanted to pray ahead of time. And I prayed, you know, passionately as I could. And yet he could tell that I had thought through what I was going to pray ahead of time. And he thought that was so impressive that somebody actually gave some thought to their <laughs> prayer ahead. And anyway, he just came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, would you mind like going out to lunch at some point? I said, Sure, why not? You know, and we got to know each other through. Uh, some time together at this restaurant a couple weeks later. We spent 90 minutes together, and I just asked him about his life, and we just talked back and forth, and I told him the church planning things I was doing. And we got to the end of this meal. We walked out of there, and he's standing on the sidewalk out in front of the restaurant. And I look at him, and he's start, like I said, like a tear rolling down his cheek. Hmm. And I said, are you okay? <laughs> 
And he looked at me and he said, I can't remember the last time that someone spent that much time with me and didn't check their phone. Wow. Oh, that's indicting. And he said, especially for someone your generation, you know, right. I mean, yeah. he's like older than me by 40 years at, at that yeah. time. And um, it was so touching for him hmm. and meaningful relationally that I made a deliberate effort to leave my phone, my phone in my pocket, turn it on silent and just like, whether it was buzzing or not, I never looked at it, just mm -hmm. looked him in the eye and had a conversation. That life-giving, that was a life-giving gift yes. to him to spend that time and to take a pause for 90 minutes and not be distracted. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about because moving from busy to restful, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, it's really like the gospel gives us a reason why. The example of Jesus gives us a reason why we need to not be distracted be able to have margin, be able to manage time, resources, relational investment with others in a way that has the space to really make that kind of connection and impact and to be able to be aware of and listening to the Lord in those moments and not just so multitasking that we can't really even pause to address things inside our hearts. Yes, and I would posit that many times those conversations, and sadly they are rare for any generation to be that attentive and present, yeah. I believe that when they're done properly, they have a potential, each one of them, to impact us for the rest of our lives. Yeah. I have indelible uh, memories in my mind about things like when you and I've had lunch in the past, or when Wendy and I have uninterrupted time, or I'm mentoring one of my jugheads, or even nieces and nephews, or I shouldn't say even, because I started mentoring them before I had the jugheads. And those times of intentionality are much more impactful than trying to have our our lives noisy yeah. and constantly kinetic, kinetic at least socially, if not physically. We, we need to rest and we need to be available. One of my favorite compliments I've ever got was from my sister, Margaret, who's 11 years my senior. And I had her over to my house, I don't know, 15 years ago when we lived in another place. And I've seen her since then. But she said, Paul, you're very present and I mm. thought, boy, thank you. that Because I'm, I'm seen by anybody that meets me as a very intense person. And yet when she <laughs> said I was present, her implication was I wasn't distracted by what I could be doing. Uh, I was there and she was the only person that mattered when we yeah. were having a conversation. And I really appreciated that observation. And I try to live up to that with whomever I'm speaking. Yeah, it's such an important thing. And I think honestly, like if, if, if you're listening we need to be thoughtful about addressing how we approach our lives when it comes to this busyness issue, because I think all of us feel the pressure of it. We all are swimming in the middle of a culture that really idolizes it. I, I got a resource I, I recommend here. It's a, it's a book by a guy named David Zoll, who's a Christian author writer. And, and, uh, he wrote a book I've mentioned in a sermon previously called, um, Seculosity, hmm. how career parenting, technology, food, politics and romance became our new religion and what to do about it. Yeah. <laughs> and he just goes after it and says, you know what, all these things, the, the secular world is not a place that is somehow anti-religious. And in that sense, like sort of gotten rid of all those things. The secular world is just as religious as any human society ever is. Yes. But we have taken things and made them like a legalistic religion and been a enslaved by all kinds of other desires and things that we have put in the place of God. And one mm -hmm. of them is busyness. Mm -hmm. And as Christians, I'll just say, like, we're going to talk about this more in a few minutes here and then the next part. But boy, we have a countercultural 
opportunity, an opportunity to do a different way, to say this, the way of Jesus, the, the way of, in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we live in a different way when it comes to how we handle the resource of time mm-hmm. and relational connection and the margin within which we live, the multitasking choices we make. Mm. And honestly, I hope that's really convicting. It's convicting to me. Yes. Um, I mean, honestly, it might be convicting to you listeners because you might be multitasking right now while you're listening (laughs) to our podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And that's okay. You know, don't feel too guilty. But David Zoll says that busyness has become a virtue in and of itself in our culture. And then he, he calls it like the idea of performancism, that there's hmm. something about how we invest, he says, invest daily tasks with existential significance, hmm. that we turn all kinds of daily activities into a measure of whether we are enough. Hmm. That's really like the deeper issue, the deeper idol behind our busy lives often can be this real twisted sense that my filling my time with significant things to do somehow makes me justified or enough. Yes. And that is really dangerous and convicting. And we need to be free from that reality. So it doesn't mean we don't become idle and busybodies in the sense of not doing things that are purposeful. Of course we do, but we do them for God's glory. We do them out of a sense of rest and a totally different perspective than needing those things to somehow make us feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's and the danger. I believe it also takes a lot of discretion and discernment to what do we give our time, and including, back to what I said near the beginning, uh, how do we guard our time to have those moments of spontaneity, yeah. whether it's with our spouse, our cat, our lawn care, or sitting and being still, pouring over a, something as simple as a six-verse psalm, which Psalm 23 happens to have six verses, yeah. or, or something as complicated as a Chronicles genealogy. We need to sit and stew and not just check off the box. And with that, it does take time. And in order to take time, it means eliminating something else that's yeah. a time muncher yeah. or, or the false sense. I, I, what you said earlier, multitasking, I'll add this. It's really a myth. Multitasking is a myth. Mm. No one can do it, especially men. Maybe women can do it a little bit. But uh, I know that I, I, I might have listened to an hour-long podcast and I heard 10% of it because I was trying to do something else at the same time. It just yeah. doesn't work. It's very difficult. Yeah. And one one other dimension to this that we need to make sure we talk about that we've alluded to or is is this idea that um, sometimes we we fill our lives with all these things or we 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 do busyness because we are a little afraid of what happens in the stillness and quietness when we have to confront the things that are really in our heart and mind. Mm-hmm. And there's something I heard um, years ago. It was a just a couple words that helped me understand this. I, I honestly I can't remember where I heard it, so hopefully I'm not misquoting it or or putting or not attributing it to the right source. But it was really helpful for me. It's the idea of internal noise mm. and external noise, and what this particular uh, writer was saying. This this Christian uh, discipleship book I was reading. It this person said that often we are afraid to turn down the volume on all the external noise in our lives. Because when you when you remove all the distractions or the busyness or the things that are stimulating from the outside, that then all of a sudden you become aware of the internal noise in your life, mm-hmm. that we're afraid of that reality, that that internal noise, which can be the turmoil in our heart of a 
grief or loss. Mm. It can be a sin issue that we haven't dealt with. It can be the feeling or sense that I'm not worthy to be in a relationship because I'm not good enough to be loved. Whatever other things that are these either lies or twisted ways of viewing yourself or false identity or false saviors. It's just like all the things that are messed up inside our dark hearts apart from Jesus mm-hmm. and his sanctifying work in us through the spirit. We're afraid of that internal noise. And one of the reasons why busyness, and I think honestly, it's a tool of, of, of the evil one <laughs> to make us so busy that we don't address the internal issues in our lives. And so I'll, I'll just give a, a brief immediate example for myself. Last week, this is the first week of August, so whenever this gets published, it was mm-hmm. just probably a few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to go on a retreat for prayer yes. and planning and some writing um, that I'm doing. And I went to a place that in Wisconsin that's called the Wilderness Fellowship, and they have prayer cabins, and you do like a donation. It's this little space that's kind of a uh, it's a little cabin in the woods, kind of tucked away in the middle of, in the middle of the woods. Okay, very quiet, meant for solitude mm-hmm. and meditation, time with the Lord, and prayer. And the first half a day, the first twenty four hours, was like this. Uh, it was like <laughs> if I don't know if the right word is torture. <laughs> it was like it was. I mean, it was so good. But what it was was all of a sudden, all the busyness and noise externally was just immediately cut off. You shut your phone I'm off a, or didn't bring it. My phone is on airplane mode. Wow. I'm alone, mm-hmm. and I've got my Bible. I've got some books that I'm working through. I've got some plans to do some some preparation, some prayer time, and some meditating on scripture and some writing. And I'm sitting there, and the silence mm. was almost like too much. Wow. And that's because the busyness that we live in can be so ratcheted up that as soon as you like flip a switch to some moments of silence, it's like, I don't know what to do. Now, after a few hours of like, just like catch your breath a little bit, go on a walk and do some prayer time. It's like the Lord really brings like a sense of presence and immediacy and like being with the Lord. And like that time of quiet is so formational or like it reframes your paradigm. It resets you. It's just a totally foreign thing in the world that we live in now. That's right. You know? Yep. So it was, it was, maybe you've had that experience in this life, like, or, or, or some of you listeners that you get those moments of quiet and you don't know what to do. Mm. And that is a symptom of the fact that we live in a very busy time and very busy culture. And I know, I mean, it's like a, you know, real confessions of a pastor, I guess. Sometimes that's, I mean, that affects all of us, including, including me. I, I know that I need to work on being more intentional to find those restful moments, maybe in more extended time than maybe just 30 minutes or just an hour yes. or something like that. There are, there's something about resetting the priorities that we all need to do, and it's important. And imagine pastors have one of the hardest jobs in the world because for every time you do spend an hour by yourself, or in this case, three days and two nights in a solitude cabin without Sarah and your girls, let alone the rest of the New Life congregants, there is a temptation to be guilty, to feel guilty. I could be having coffee with so-and-so. I could be having lunch or following up or doing marriage counseling. And there's a constant demand, which again, that's why God called you to the ministry. But if we're not healthy, one of my favorite kind of campy and and silly examples is when uh, we go on a plane and the steward of the stewardess 
which is what I still call them because I'm Gen Xer, when the stewardess <laughs> tells us, put the oxygen mask on yourself before putting in your child in yeah. the event of a, a problem, uh, that says we need to take care of ourselves, not in self-centered, narcissistic ways, but to say, unless we are giving ourselves yeah. the grace to be healthy, we can't be all we are meant to be to serve others. Yep. And so let me ask you this, with regard to that retreat, how many hours did you say it took for you to go from the torturous part to then the restful <laughs> part? How many hours? 24 hours. Wow, so a whole day. Yeah, but I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating that a bit. It was like the first couple hours is just settling in. Yeah. Then you really, you sort of like, you sort of embrace and, and sort of come into the real silence mm -hmm. of the place that you are. Yes. And... And then, you know, you have like a, a, a the, after the first night, you get up in the next morning and you don't have any obligations to go to. Your calendar's clear. You're mm -hmm. just there to be present. And I think those, those first few hours of the first morning are like when that really get the reset time. Yeah. Because normally, first thing in the morning, I'd be like, have my coffee, have some time with the Lord in prayer, and then off to the races. Yeah. And it's like, there we go, busy schedule. And I think we all probably live like that or have lived like that in different seasons. Mm -hmm. And there's just something about, I think it's why Jesus went away and had times of solitude. Absolutely. We're going to talk about this more in the next episode of like the pattern and example of Jesus as he had margin for people and he spent time with his father. He went off to pray. He went, he had his own place. He, 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 he would have solitude in times of repose mm -hmm. rather than just activity Boy, we need that. We need yes. that so much. And David's all, just to kind of put a tie a bow on this, he says, idleness makes me far more uncomfortable than busyness. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I hope that's convicting for some because we need to get into this next episode about what it means to be restful biblically, what it means to, to do that. Um, but we need to really examine ourselves at this moment and, and see that following Jesus gives us another way, a gospel-centered way to not let busyness become an idol, but to have something of a restfulness in Jesus. Yes, and so maybe as a parting admonishment, we, we would like all of you consider ways that you can practice restfulness. One of the things I did today as we were recording this, I, I got up, rather than go right to my podcasts, I actually put on a music album. And one of the most treasured parts of my Catholic upbringing mm. is that there's a tradition among monks and nuns and brothers and priests that uh, there's a lot of solitude. There's a lot of intentional mm. restfulness. And one of my favorite musicians to this day is John Michael Talbot. And he has an album called Come to the quiet. Every song is based squarely on the Psalms, or like Peter's Canticle mm. is about Peter, but the whole album is called Come to the Quiet. And the last track is based on Psalm 131, Come to the Quiet. And so yeah. if you are what Brent has described, and which I echo with too, that when we turn everything off, that it's a little slice of torture because <laughs> we have to face uh, the turmoil that we might be stuffing down by busyness or, or external noise, and, and then we're not hearing our internal noise, let the Lord minister to you. And yeah. again, the next episode will bring some specific scriptures up. But meanwhile, think of your own strategy. What can you do? I know our friend Tiffany yeah. has... has her she shed where she goes out and reads every day. <laughs> and I have my porch where I go out and try to read the Bible every day in the summertime at least. Yeah. And look for ways to have that solitude yeah. and do business with the Lord because business with him means restfulness in the world. Exactly. And you need to have a cup that can 
be full to overflowing to give to others rather than giving out of emptiness because we've filled our lives with busyness. So we don't want that. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for listening today. We hope that this finds you well in late summer 2023. My name is Paul Arneberg with Pastor Brent Compelin. We'll see you in the next episode, part two of Busy to Restful.